Welcome to the Independent Advisors Podcast, where we dive into the world of stocks, tradable markets, and financial planning with Jessup Wealth Management's Chief Investment Officer, Mark McEvely, and CEO, Matt Jessup. You'll hear tips, tricks, and strategies to address your financial well-being, and most importantly, conveyed in a way that everyone can understand. Here are your hosts, Mark and Matt. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 129 of the Independent Advisors Podcast, where Matt Jessup and I, Mark McEvely, bring you everything you need to know from the past week in the world of financial markets and financial planning. So good morning, Matt. Morning, Mark. Almost Christmas time, buddy. Almost Christmas time. What are you doing for the holidays this year? It's going to be a quiet weekend at the Jessup household. Just how you like it. Just the way I like it. I got to recharge my battery. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's what the holidays are for, right? Plug me in. Good. Um, so this is our second episode of a two-part series on the housing market. Last week we had on Matt Edwards, a mortgage loan officer, and this week we're going to focus on all the costs to consider before purchasing a home. And just for the record, before we get into this, I we don't mean to discourage people from buying you know, homes with this episode, but rather just get people thinking about all the costs that come with home ownership that you may not necessarily think about, especially if you're currently renting right now. Absolutely, Mark. I mean, we just want people going in with eyes wide open. Right. Because it's much more than just the sticker price and the monthly payment, the monthly mortgage payment, right? Yeah. And I think right now in this environment, and Matt alluded to this last week in the podcast, you might look at what your rent is right now. And that mortgage might actually be cheaper, Yeah, but you have to account for some of the things that you're about to discuss. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So before we begin, I just want to take the first few minutes to recap the performance for the month and the year of the major indexes that we track. And these numbers are as of the market close on December 20th. And this data is from Coifin. S&P 500 index is flat for the month and up 21.6% for the year. The Dow up 1.3% for the month and up 14.1% for the year. The NASDAQ Composite Index down half a percent for the month and up 17.7% for the year. The IWM ETF that tracks the Russell 2000 Index is down 2.75% for the month and up 8.2% for the year. The Vanguard International ETF, X United States, down 1.3% for the month and up 2.25% for the year. Three-month T-bill yield currently sitting at 0.07%, the two-year Treasury yielding 0.65%, and the 10-year Treasury yield is sitting at 1.42%. So any comments you want to make on any of that stuff or things that have gone on this month before we move on, Matt? Yeah, I think it'd be pertinent. Um, You know, I'll just, you know, I'm always transparent with our listeners and viewers. You know, I still think we're in a two-step forward, one-step back market. I think the numbers don't do it justice as to the corrections that you're seeing in a lot of underlying names in the market recently. Um, I would not get caught up in the short-term narratives of people trying to judge how uh, the latest variant uh, is going to affect the markets for the next two weeks or trying to figure out how the Fed's comments are going to affect the markets for the next three weeks. You know, I think underlying fundamentals and a lot of names are still really good. And I just don't want listeners to get caught up in this day-to-day narrative that seems to change. The volatility's back, Mark. One day the market's up huge, it's down huge the next day. You know, don't get caught in the vicious cycle. Yeah, and this is the time of year where we're going to start to see a lot of people uh, forecast what returns are going to be for 2022. 
Um, and just this morning, I was reading one of my research reports that I read every morning, and there was a headline that kind of made me chuckle a little bit that said, you know, REITs are poised for a really strong return in 2022 and could be up upwards of 15 or 20%. It's just like, where are these people getting this stuff from? Hmm. So you're going to start to see 2022 forecasts, but, um, you know, typically what we see year in and year out is that no one's even close to sniffing what the return is for the major market indexes of the year. So, yeah. again, more noise than anything else, right? That's right. And then the last thing I'll say is just remember when we talked about in previous episodes, the market averages, it's very rare the market returns between 8 to 12%. It's right. rare. It's usually lower or higher, and that's the longer-term average. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right, well, let's jump into this, Matt. Um, I know we've been saying we wanted to do this for a while, and I think it just came top of mind to me because I just recently moved a couple months ago and have, you know, lived through this. You know, it's, you know, houses cost much more than just what you're paying uh, for the mortgage each month and what you're putting down on the house, because I've had to already just within the first couple of months replace a lot of things and do a lot of maintenance to the house and that type of thing. So we're going to get into all of that. Um, but before we do that, I just wanted to provide some more info on what we've seen going on in the housing market so far this year, Matt. Um, and some of these quotes are from an article uh, in The Atlantic back in May of this year. Okay. How wild is the U.S. housing market right now? So wild, half of the houses listed nationwide in April went pending in less than a week. So wild, one poll found that most buyers admitted to bidding on homes they'd never seen in person. So, this is the one that gets me. So wild, a Bethesda, Maryland resident recently included in her written offer letter a pledge to name her firstborn child after the seller. Oh, my gosh. That is ridiculous. That's like peak ludicrousy, right? That is ridiculous. <laughs> and again, th these are from earlier in this year and, and things have, you know, calmed down since then. But. Um, he says, pick a housing statistic at random, and it's probably setting an all-time record. Home prices, record high. Inventory, record low. Percentage of homes selling above asking price, record high. Average time on the market, record low. So again, I think that the, you know this just boils down to the fact that we talked about with Matt last week. It's, it's an inventory issue right now. Mm -hmm. And people are still scarred, or home builders are still scarred from... 0708 and they've pulled back on the amount of homes that they're building and then you have everything fall into place on what happened with covid and it was kind of a perfect storm for housing prices to go up yeah i mean you're having people leave metropolitan areas they they want they want you know the, the yard and the picket fence you know I, I think that you know there's a time where um demographically a lot of millennials um, we're in the family phase. I think the family phase of people's lives is getting delayed, but you know, all of a sudden you start having kids and a dog and, you know, going in an elevator and going down, you know, 20 floors to take the dog outside or have your kids play in the park is not as appealing. Yeah. It gets a little old, you know, and I think you just overlay that with lack of inventory credit standards are still very tight. And it's, it's just completely changed the market. And, you know, it kind of makes me think of the stock market to a certain extent that everyone keeps looking over their shoulder, expecting this major correction, because this is what we've been programmed for since 07 and 08. It's mm -hmm. going to happen again. And will it happen again? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But it may not be anytime soon. Right, right. 
So uh, let's go ahead and get into this, Matt. So some costs to consider that I want to go over with people. And, and people love to fantasize, I think, about you know buying a house and selling it 10, 15, 20 years later and making this huge profit, right? Mm -hmm. But the gains that people realize won't be as much as they think if you, like the majority of people, have to put money into the home while you're living there, right? Um, you kind of need to factor in all of those costs to see how much, quote unquote, you really made on the sale of a home after factoring in a bunch of money that you dumped into it while you lived there. And it's right? probably not as much as you think. No, you no. probably sometimes probably just took a loss. Right, exactly. Um, so the first thing, obviously, is closing costs, agent fees and financing fees. So these costs could be upwards of several thousand dollars, depending on the price of the home that you buy. And according to Closing Corp, the average closing costs for a single family home in 2020 were a little more than $6,000. And if I were a betting man, Matt, that's going to go way up in 2021. So oh, yeah. um, once Closing Corp puts out those numbers for 2021, we'll be sure to uh, convey that to listeners. Oh, yeah. Um, other fees included in this group are loan origination fees, appraisal fees, title insurance, uh, surveys, inspections, realtor commissions, and a lot of this stuff you know, can be negotiated on who pays it, the buyer or the seller for inspections. But those are just things to keep in mind. Yeah. And think about this, you know, we're, since we're in a seller's market, the buyer statistically is going to pick up a lot of this stuff right now. Right. Exactly. Um, and here's the, the big category, Matt, is maintenance costs, repair costs, uh, renovations, home improvement costs. Here we go. And this is a big one you know, that we see come up when people are buying second homes, right? You know, the, the idea of having a second home or a vacation home is really appealing to a lot of people. But sometimes, you know, they're starstruck by the opportunity they have in front of them, and they don't necessarily can consider the maintenance and upkeep with that. And especially if you're not living there for 12 months out of the year, you're gonna have to pay someone to upkeep the property, right? Yeah, you think about getting in the car, getting the family in the car, driving to the lake house, showing up, and everything's pristine and you start the boat uh, an hour later and everyone's out in the lake, you know, at that point. And mm -hmm. it's possible, but that comes at a significant cost. Right. Right. So some of these things, um, they might seem pretty basic for people, Matt, but I'm going to get into why I'm talking about this in a little bit. OK, OK, good. So uh, things like landscaping, lawn mowing, leaf blowing, putting in a sprinkler system that needs to be winterized, non winterized at the beginning and end of each season. Oh, boy. Um, or are you just going to water it yourself? Um, cleaning the gutters way more intensive if if you're moving to a wooded area. Right. Because that can cause significant damage if you're not actively cleaning out your gutters from all the leaves. Right? Sure. A um, couple other things, upkeep on the pool if you have one, electrical work if it's an old house, painting. And, and with all of these things, Matt, I think people need to be honest with themselves and ask the question, am I going to do these things myself or am I going to hire someone to do it for me? And both have costs involved and they're not just monetary. If you're going to do all the upkeep work yourself, you have to be confident that it's worth your time. And while you might do it yourself for a while, when you start having kids and a family, you have less and less time to do this stuff. And I know that you probably know this better than anyone else that used to do this stuff all yourself. And then, you know, you have three kids now and your time when you're not working, you want to spend with your kids, but the grass needs to get cut. You had to rake the leaves and do all that stuff. So 
you know, I think you just have to be honest with yourself of how long am I going to do this stuff myself until I hire that out to somebody else? Yes. And be realistic about that cost. I mean, you know, my wife and I were trying to find somebody just to um, leaf blow, you know, the leaves to, to the street. I mean, I just have been so busy with work and finding people just to do that, Mark, was a struggle this year. Yeah. Imagine if you weren't even in the locale. Right. 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 Exactly. So, um, uh, another part about living in a wooded area, are you going to have to cut down dead trees that are at risk of falling out your house and causing more damage? You know, you have to keep these things in mind because if you don't keep up with the maintenance, it's going to end up costing you significantly more down the road if a tree were to fall on the house or something like that. Yeah. And you get caught in this in this situation sometimes, too, is, you know, if it's preventable, will the insurance pay the claim? Right. Right, exactly. That's we've, the problem you get into. Yeah, and we've talked to clients that have been in fights with insurance companies because they're like, you know, down in this area of the agreement that we signed for the insurance, it says, you know, if proper maintenance hasn't been done, then we're not going to pay the claim. Yeah, I mean, I can make it very relatable to our practice here. So, um, you know, we bought this building within the past decade, but this building has been here for a long time, has a flat roof, and we needed a new roof. And the roofer has come out and said, okay, you know, you got a couple years left on this roof, but you know, you and I just did major renovation and construction and you and I both looked at each other like, okay, we know if there's some sort of leak, we know with all the construction we had, the insurance company is not going to pay it. Right. So we kind of felt like, okay, we know we have a couple years, mm -hmm. but because of the liability side of it and all the money we just put into the property, we had to do it now. Right. And because you've got to think about that as a homeowner relational to you, whether that roof's getting a little bit older and they say you got one year left, you know, you're, you're, you're rolling the dice if the insurance company is going to pay that claim. Right. Exactly. So it's, it's a matter of, you know, doing the little things each and every month throughout the year and spreading out those costs rather than have some major event happen. And it's going to ding you for, you know, several thousands of dollars. Yes. Um, other things to keep in mind is driveway upkeep, like sealing, um, uh, sealing the driveway. That's something that I had to do this year. Um, upkeep on porches and decks, especially if they're wood, if you don't have like a composite or like Trex material for your porches or your decks, that stuff needs to be sanded down and painted every couple of years. So that's a major price. Uh, if you're not going to do that yourself. Um, and then, and obviously realizing that if you're not building a new home, you're going to have to make some repairs along the way, right? So new appliances like repairing old ones like fridges, freezers, dishwashers, HVAC systems, hot water heaters, toilets, showers, all these things are not cheap, especially in 2021. They're not cheap to replace. Yeah. And you got to think about, you know, the life cycle of these types of systems on average is about 20 years, mm -hmm. right? Fridge is about 20 years, freezers about 20 years, dishwashers, HVAC systems. And so you got to plan for that. Yeah. You know, so um, the, the home that my wife and I live in now was uh, built in the very early 2000s. So we know right now, very well aware, we're at the life cycle of the fridges. You know, we're making the repairs on a more consistent basis. We can hear the HVAC system on the second levels at its last leg. We mm -hmm. know that. Right. But we're riding that horse, man. We until are riding that horse until, until it, it dies. dies. I apologize, Jenna, for that analogy. <laughs> uh, Jenna, our uh, producer of our podcast, is an avid uh, horse lover, and so I apologize for, for using that analogy. But you get what I'm trying to say. We're going yeah. to make that system run until it's done. Right, and you need to save and prepare for that, right? Absolutely. 
Um, so if you're moving to a town that doesn't have good water, do you need to put in a water filtration system or get a water softener? So those are all extra costs. Yeah, I mean, because in Oakwood here, where we, you and I reside, it has really hard water. Yeah. Right. And that could tear up your system if you're not properly servicing that. Right. Exactly. And that was that was another thing that I had to do. Uh, pest control. Again, move into a wooded area. This is going to be more costly than if than if you're not in a wooded area. But that's, you know, something that you need to take into consideration if you have some critters walking around the property. Right. Yeah. The other thing I'll throw out there is for our listeners that live near a beach, which is wonderful. The salt will just absolutely destroy your property. Mm hmm. You know, I, I know of some individuals that have some higher end properties along the beach and literally they have to paint the property constantly. Their outside furniture has to be replaced every couple of years because mm -hmm. it just gets eroded by the salt. I mean, there's cost within that, too. And you just got to remember that, listeners, that, you know, it's not like you show up at that beach resort or that Airbnb and it's just all perfect all the time. There is an immense amount of maintenance when you live near the ocean. Yeah, and talking about not coming out on top when you sell a property, if you just let this stuff go and you're not doing the proper oh, maintenance, could just, obviously you're not gonna be able to sell it for what you wanna sell it for. Yeah. So I think a wooded area is a cakewalk compared to maintaining a home by a the beach. water. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. Um, next is furnishings. So furniture, TVs, new fixtures, and you know, people get excited to, to move into or to, you know, upgrade to have more space, but you need to furnish the home, right? You got to have places to sit, places to lay. Um, so that's another big thing that people don't consider is, is furnishing. And obviously right now prices are up and lead times are crazy right now Absolutely. to get furniture. I mean, my wife and I got some furniture from our house in January and it got delivered at the end of May this year. Yeah. And that's still happening. I'm talking to people that those lead times have not changed. Right. Right. So you got to keep that into consideration as well. Other costs or things to consider, Matt, garage door maintenance. So you're moving into an older home that has an older garage door system. Got to make sure that that thing's oiled up or else that's going to break and you're going to need to replace that eventually. Um, as you alluded to before, if you have a dog, you might need to put in a fence or an invisible fence. And that also comes with the cost of getting a permit for that fence from the town, right? I'm telling you, like, I remember we um, had our first house after Rachel and I got married and we, we got a dog and it seems like, a, a, hey, we can handle this cost. And to put the fence in was almost $10,000. Right. It's just insanity what yeah. this stuff costs. Yeah, it's crazy. And like, and for most things, I mean, not even just a fence, but if you're doing home renovations or you're doing an addition to the house or expanding some area of the house, you have to get a permit for that. And those aren't free, right? And it, while it might only be 30, 40, 50, maybe 100 bucks, it's still an added cost that you have to you have to consider. Yeah, and you're going to have those eyes on making sure that you are uh, adhering to the codes. Following the rules. That's right. Um, installing a home security system if it doesn't already have one. Uh, homeowner's insurance premiums. Um, you know, one thing that I personally experienced since just moving a few months ago is that you know, the power goes out a lot more in our new house than it did at our old house because mm -hmm. our old house was was a newer house and um, this is an older one. And obviously this can be extremely disruptive, especially if you have a family, right? So while you might not think of that as an quote unquote added cost, it's pretty disruptive when it does happen, right? Yeah, so we don't have one in our new house. We plan to get one uh, at some point. Our previous house did yeah. have a 
a home generator mm-hmm. and it powered about roughly 50, 60% of the house. It mm-hmm. was run on net gas. It was one of the best investments we made, especially when the, when the kids were younger. Um, but what people don't realize is you need a whole nother electrical panel and you need a switch that, that moves it over. So it's not just going on and Googling what's the cost of the generator, but you got the labor to install it. And then what's almost just as expensive is the labor for a whole separate electrical panel, the switch that, that cl- clicks over to it when the power goes out. My goodness. Yeah, it's crazy. We were we were just discussing this a couple of months ago about getting a generator for the office and the, the cost of just the generator itself is crazy. And that doesn't even include the labor and everything else that comes with it. I know. So, you know, th- that's one thing that that I that I'm going to be completely honest with. I didn't even take into consideration, but it's been a pain in the butt when the power goes out and you're trying to shower and get ready for work. And, you know, especially my wife doing her hair and makeup in the dark, it's <laughs> It gets old after a while. I hear you. I hear you. Um, uh, Another one that people might not necessarily think about top of mind, especially if you don't have kids yet, is that, you know, are you moving to a town uh, with a school district that you're going to feel comfortable sending your kids? If you're not thinking about this and you go and dump a bunch of money into a house and then you want to move in a few years because the school district isn't great, that could be extremely costly. Absolutely can. Right. There's a break even with a lot of this stuff. Yeah, there is. There is. So uh, next, private mortgage insurance. So I know this is a hot topic that's debated, you know, amongst a lot of people. The PMI. Um, the PMI. So mo- this is the monthly cost homeowners have to pay for people that don't know that if you don't have 20% equity in your home, um, you know, and you're using conventional financing, which we discussed last week with Matt Edwards. So check out uh, episode number 128 if you want to learn more about that. Um, but if you're not putting 20% down on the home, you're going to be paying PMI until you reach that 20% equity level. And the other thing is you're paying for the insurance for the lender. This isn't to insure you. Oh, yeah. This is to insure the lender that if you default, right? So you're paying the insurance premium to protect the lender, the person you're borrowing the money from. Banks are smart. Yeah, banks are very smart. So that's another thing to consider. And that's that goes back to the fact of, you know, people always debate, you know, how much should I put down on the home? You know, if I don't have that 20% equity level, then I'm paying that extra PMI cost. Well, it's probably relatively small compared to what your mortgage payment is for principal and interest and taxes. Yeah. Again, still an extra cost if you're not getting to that 20% equity level. Yep. Um, so those were a bunch of the high level things. And again, the thing that sparked this is, you know, I've experienced a lot of these things just in the past couple of months. So I just want to give listeners a little preview into, you know, what I've done so far, just living there the first couple of months, right? All right. I'm all ears. This is gonna be good. So, uh, the first thing we had to do was install the water filter and water softener because Oakwood doesn't have the best water. It's very hard and over time can erode pipes and just not be good for the health of the house. So we had to install a water filter under the sink and a water softener. And while we were installing the water softener, uh, had to get connected to the sump pump. And again, I'm not trying to be an extra expert on how this stuff works because I don't understand it all. You and I are the last people that they want to ask. Right. And it's embarrassing coming from uh, the son of a mechanical contractor who does this stuff all the time. But anyways, I digress. Uh, But when we were putting the water softener in, we figured out that 
the sump pump was non-functional. So then we had to replace the sump pump to get the water filter softener to work. So so that was a pain. Uh, Had to cut down four dead trees. So we live in a a highly wooded area, and there were dead trees surrounding the house that if we got a bad storm, like the tornadoes just came through in Kentucky just south of us, you know, if that were ever to come through Dayton, Ohio, you bet your bottom dollar those trees are coming down. Oh, yeah. Right? So we had to cut down four of those dead trees. Sticking on the tree subject, we installed gutter guards since, again, living in a highly wooded area. That stuff clogs up the gutters, and if you're not actively up there cleaning the gutters out, significant damage, significantly more expensive if you don't get it taken care of. So we just made the decision to install the gutter guards to help uh, have as low maintenance with it as possible. Yep. Um, Again, talking about the pet situation, we installed a fence for my dog. Uh, this was a non-negotiable with my wife, Kenzie. Interesting. So uh, the, the, the previous homeowners had an invisible fence, and I tried to just negotiate and say, hey, why don't we try the just invisible the invisible fence. fence for a while? And that didn't fly. Right. Well, I could see Mapes uh, for the listeners and viewers that don't know. She is an Instagram star. She is. Um, I could see Maple um, really enjoying um, the wildlife mm-hmm. around your house. Yeah, I exactly. could see her making friends with uh, with the deer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we have coyotes out there, too. So, yes. Have you heard them yet? Yeah. Yeah. It's we, crazy. It's crazy. When they go and make a kill, it's like the wildest sound you'll it ever is hear. Because you hear the screeching. Of, They're like screaming. Yeah, you hear the scream. Well, you some you hear them yell and then you tend to hear the animal no longer passing away right it's creepy yeah it's nuts so all in all it was a good decision to install the fence but you got to take into consideration what happens when they drill through a drain pipe or something when they're installing the fence and that's what happened to me the guys that were installing the fence drilled through a drain pipe and that had to get replaced and it was in the contract that you know, the pipes and underground electrical work for the sprinkler system had to be marked before they put the fence in. And I didn't read the fine print and didn't do that. So that was an extra added cost that I had to, to pay to get that repaired. Um, the uh, the fridge stopped working uh, last week. So we had to order a new part for that. And kind of similar to you, Matt, I think the fridge is getting close to that 20 year period. So you know, the repair guy came in and he saw that and he was like, ah, buddy, it, this fridge might be on its last leg. So I'm sitting there thinking, OK, this is going to be several thousand dollars to replace. But upon further investigation, it was a inverter board that powers the compressor that was fried. So we had to order that new part and that's going to get installed next week. But that's going to be a two, two and a half week period that we're not going to have a fridge an operating fridge so i'm extremely lucky that when we were doing the renovation here at the office i was able to take the old fridge from here and put it in my garage as a backup and you know thank god we did that because we would have a fridge that doesn't work yeah and i'll give you one more thing to 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 contemplate with this so you and i both have these these built-in fridges right Mm -hmm. so they don't make them exactly the same size that they did 20 years ago no of course they don't so what's going to have to happen as Rachel and I are starting to look at what we're going to get when this thing dies, we're going to have to get some cabinetry work done mm-hmm. at the same time. Right. Which you had got that cost in. Yep. And then, you know, the, the, the orders on those built-ins right now is like six to seven months turnaround right. time. 
Yeah. So what do you do <laughs> if you have a, a dead fridge and yeah, it's I mean, a, at a certain in, point, Rachel and I are like, okay, we need to, we have a drop dead date that we're just going to do it. Right. Right. Um, had to seal my driveway before the winter. Really easy to do, especially if you don't have that big of a, a driveway. But again, just another added cost that you have to do to make sure uh, that doesn't fall apart. Um, had to replace a window in the basement because it shattered. So we ordered that window in September and it won't be in until the end of March. So it's like half a year. Sanity. Right. And we're blessed because it was, it was a double pane window and it was just the outside pane that broke. So it's not like it's exposed completely to the outdoors, but, um, kind of a funny story actually. Uh, so we live near a, a golf course and, uh, on Monday, they have like charity events, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, on one of the holes where where we live by, they used a hand cannon to shoot golf balls out of. And I was told that it was calibrated pop properly, but obviously that was not the case. And one of these balls came through out of the hand cannon and, and shattered one of the windows. Unbelievable. So um, that was an added expense that was not expected. Um, we had to replace a broken drain pipe in the laundry room for the washer right when we moved in, uh, have to replace a couple outlets, old outlets that didn't work anymore, which is, uh, a small cost, but it's getting the electrician to come out getting it and, done right. and scheduling and getting it done right. Um, the sh- and this was the one that my, my wife was not pleased about was that the shower and the master bath stopped working and we couldn't use it for the first couple of months we were in the house and, you know, during that time we had guests over and my parents came down and we had family that came down to stay with us. And we all had to use the, the guest bathroom to shower and get ready in, which was a pain in the butt. That is a pain. That's just something you don't think about. So we couldn't use our shower for, I think it was the first like two months we couldn't use the master shower because it wasn't working properly. That's so crazy. That was a pain in the butt. Um, and again, pest control had to have several beehives removed, had to reseed grass because of the army worms that invaded Ohio. And I'm hearing other areas of the country this year, which was kind of just wild army worms. So for people that aren't familiar with them, they apparently they come out every you know couple of years. But this year was really bad and they just kill the grass. Right. Just completely dead. So, you know, you have all this lush, beautiful green grass and you just have this massive patch of dead grass that literally it happens like overnight when these army worms come out. So, so we had to take care of that. So, you know, those are, you know, I just rattled off 12 or 13 items that we've had to, you know, take care of just within the first couple of months of living in the house, you know, so you have to make sure that, you know, in addition for saving for the down payment, in addition to being prepared for the the monthly costs of the mortgage principal and interest and taxes and escrow account and everything, you got to have a decent chunk of change left over in case you need to take care of a lot of these things right when you move in. Absolutely. Right. Um, and one of the things that I've found extremely helpful, Matt, since moving into the new house is maintaining a personal uh, master monthly calendar of everything I need to do each month to make sure I'm staying current with the upkeep on the home. And I got this idea from our business coach, actually, Teresa, to make sure I don't miss anything that needs to be serviced. 
Um, so I'm more than willing to share this with anyone that wants it. If you want it, go ahead and send an email to inquiries at jessupwealthmanagement.com if you want a copy of that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just a good way to kind of spread things out, maintenance out over a 12-month period so that you do things a little bit every month and Love you're not it. waiting until three things all happen at once and you have this massive expense in a one month uh, period, right? Yes. yes. So I think that, that that has been really helpful. So again, if anyone wants to see what mine looks like, and obviously you can edit it and adjust it for, for yourself, that's a good way that I found to stay current with all the maintenance on the house. Um, and the, I guess the last thing I want to throw out there, Matt, is we, you know, we discussed this a little bit in episode number 127. Uh, when we talked about liquidity, homes are an illiquid asset, right? So liquidity, again, just to review this briefly, essentially, it means how quickly can you turn your investment into cash or grocery money, right? Mm -hmm. So stocks, exchange traded funds, mutual funds are all very liquid, you could sell and have your money within a couple of days. Houses are different. If you needed, you know, 30 grand right away, you're not going to get it from your house within mm -hmm. a two or three day period, right? No way. So that's something else to consider, uh, you know, that you should have other investments that you can access pretty easily because you're not going to be getting that money from the house if you need money right away. Correct. Um, so that's kind of the skinny of it, Matt, and, and things that I just wanted to have people consider before they jump into the home buying process. Um, anything else that I missed that you think people need to be considering? And again, this isn't a podcast to discourage people from buying a house, but all the things that we just discussed, you really don't have to worry about if you're renting because the, the uh, person that owns the home, that's their responsibility to do all that stuff. But when you own your home, this falls on you. And um, I just think there's a lot of people, including myself, that when I went from renting to, to owning a home that I just didn't I didn't think about, but it comes with a lot more headaches than just renting. And, you know, everyone has the discussion about, well, what's better to rent or to own? And, and a lot of times it makes more sense for people, depending on what point in life that they're in to rent yeah. and there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. And, you know, I know the older generations I'm stereotyping are always like, oh, you should, you know, buy a home and build equity because if you're renting, it's just like throwing a money away. But I could think I could make a pretty good argument why renting makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that. And um, the one thing that comes to mind is when you're when you're moving and upgrading or downgrading your home size. So a uh, real life example, Rachel and I went through this about three and a half years ago when we uh, moved to a bigger home as our family was growing. Um, we it's tough to time the sale of your property and the purchase of the other. And it was a situation where we had a two week period where our stuff had to be in storage mm -hmm. and that's hard. And so, um, you know, the cost of movers and the one thing I want to throw out there as a cautionary tale is the insurance that these movers carry ask questions about that because you want to guess of all the stuff that what got moved the two boxes that got dropped were my dishes where we're a dish our everyday dishes in the in the, in the house that yep. we use and of course it you know even they were packaged right they crumbled and they literally give you pennies on the dollar for that stuff it's not right. just you know i got these plates from xyz doesn't work that way right so 
read the fine print when it comes to the insurance. There might be more that you might be able to buy. Or, you know, if there's stuff like that, you want to move that stuff yourself. I know you have movers and you want to make it easy. But the stuff like the plates, the glasses, the uh, family heirlooms, move that stuff yourself. Have them do the rest of the stuff. Yeah. And that's one of the, you know, that's another expense that we didn't even talk about, but one that I think is worth it is hiring movers because oh, yeah. <laughs> especially if you, if you have a family, I mean, you just eat stuff builds up in the house over time and you don't realize how much work it no, is. No, you don't realize how much work it no. is. So and they, was, know, they know how to maneuver that stuff. They have the proper way to, to, to get it in the truck and protect it as it, as it moves from point A to point B. Yeah. Like, like we talk about all the time, it's just hire, hiring a professional that knows how to that properly that do stuff. it and they can knock it out in, you know, half the time that it would take for you to do it by yourself. That's right. At least you'll be in a position where that evening you can sleep in your own bed. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right? So that was, that was an expense that was worth it. I thought was, you know, to have professional movers, but that's a good, a good point to check out their insurance because if something Happened breaks, I mean, literally it was, it was, it wasn't even worth it. I didn't even file the claim. Right. It was more of a hassle to file the claim. Right. Because don't quote me on this, Mark. My memory is it was a um, rebate for the weight. And it was not much. Really? Yes. It was that bad. Yeah, that's not good. It was, it, was a, it was a major mainstream brand. I won't name names. Yeah. And I think they're probably all like that. Right. Um, yeah. So I just want to throw that one out there. Okay. Well, that's kind of all that we wanted to discuss today. Anything else uh, before we wrap up, Matt? This will be our second to last podcast of the year. We'll have one more uh, next week before we close out the year. But anything else you want to leave with listeners? Last thing I'll, I'll, I'll say, listeners, is I think the market volatility is, it will be here for at least another couple of weeks, in my opinion, for um, kind of things calm down again. Mm-hmm. You know, these things go through cycles. Don't get caught up in the day-to-day headlines. One day the market might seem up a lot. Next day it's going to be down a lot. Don't get caught up in the day-to-day narrative. Yeah, and it's just one of those things where we hadn't had a whole lot of volatility this year up until the fall. And this is normal. Yeah, These periods are normal. It's normal. Just Look fe- at it through the lens of opportunity. Just feels worse than it is because it hadn't happened in a long time. That's right. right? This, this, is, this is not a bad thing. These yeah. are opportunities, and this too shall pass. That's right. All right. Well, we'll leave it with uh, with that for this week. So I want to thank everybody again for tuning in to episode number 129 of the Independent Advisors podcast. And we will be back with you next week. We hope everyone has happy holidays and Merry Christmas and enjoys some downtime with family and friends. I second that, partner. All right. Have a good week, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Independent Advisors podcast. If you're interested in hearing more, hit the subscribe button so you can be notified every time a new episode gets released. Feel free to share with friends, family, and follow us on Twitter at Jessup Wealth, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Mark and Matt will continue to share beneficial information on these social media sites. Also, check out the podcast tab on their website. That's www.jessupwealthmanagement.com. There you'll find links to every episode of the Independent Advisors. Have questions or topics you want to discuss on the show? Message us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or send an email with the words questions and topics in the subject line to inquiries at jessupwealthmanagement.com. We'll talk about it right here on the podcast. Certain sections of this commentary may contain forward-looking statements based on reasonable expectations, estimates, projections, and assumptions. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of future performance and involve certain risks and uncertainties, which are difficult to predict. All indices are unmanaged and are not available for direct investment by the public. 
past performance is not indicative of future results. This podcast is provided for general informational purposes only and does not constitute either tax, legal, or financial advice. Although we do go to great lengths to make sure our information is accurate and useful, we recommend you consult a tax preparer, professional tax advisor, financial advisor, or lawyer regarding your specific circumstances. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. No strategy can guarantee any objective or goal will be achieved. Advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, a registered investment advisor.